0: Awesome humans of the Belvista Studios community and the world, wherever you may be watching this. Welcome to another episode of Studio Insights with Belvista Studios. You got the three of us, amazing humans, Hannah, Victoria, and myself, Kim. And this is an opportunity where we get together as a team and ask each other questions to help learn something that we appreciate from the other to help improve ourselves, and hopefully that adds well. You tell us it adds value, so. Thank you for your kind words and for choosing to learn with us. So my question I'll kick off today is like this is a development kind of opportunity for us um, where we talk through different things. And I'd love to know what is when we do these things, what is the thing that helps you embed the learning that you get from our conversations?
1: Mm.
2: I think for me personally, it's when I have a task or something that I need to do to practice a skill. So I usually ask questions like around what I'm working on at the moment. So I think like the best way to embed it for me is to go and do it. And for me, I have to do it like a few times before it really sticks, because (laughs) I feel like it is hard to keep adding like new things to the way you do things. But if you just like keep adding it to your upcoming tasks, that's my way of being able to embed it
1: and keep
2: it going I think Hmm, yeah, that's
1: cool yeah I think I'm the same as that I feel like if I just if we just talk about it and then I don't actually apply it to anything afterwards I will forget and then if it comes up again in like a few months time i mo- like won't necessarily think of it <laughs> um but yeah I feel like I definitely need to like apply it to something straight afterwards and like mm. try and like start building the habit of doing whatever it is afterwards So
0: I guess then that's really interesting because it's very reflective of that 70-20-10 learning model where 10 is the theory, like us doing the video together, and then the 70% is on-the-job practical Mm -hmm. application where you guys are going back, so your learning is enhanced. So that's nice that it's reinforcing that, what they say. Um, So it is about practical application. So now I was just wondering, like, At the moment, we're working on client tasks, um, storyboarding a few projects, developing e-learning modules. How can you apply, or what are some ideas to help your learners practically apply? So they're not just getting the 10%, the information through the learning solution you're creating, but what kind of things can you do to replicate that practical application that's so valuable to your learning experience in either your storyboard or your e-learning modules that you're developing?
1: Good question. <laughs> Do you want to go, Vic? Or... <laughs> Not fully sure what I want to say yet. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like it would probably, well, in my head, I'm thinking that would it would more be in like the storyboard phase of things. Like once it gets to development, I'm trying to think like if I've already... Given like the approved content and like how it's gonna mm. work or how they want it to like play out, kind of thing. I'm trying yeah. to think like what influence I would have on it once it gets to that stage. Mm. Yeah, like well, maybe asked, you just... there must be something. So, <laughs> um, well, I'm just thinking that's
0: generally, yeah, like it might be like part one, this is how it's going to be trained and you're yeah. executing. But I guess you look at a lot of e learning solutions. And you might have an idea of how something could be done differently. So although like we might do the instructional design, you'd be like, oh, like maybe they could have done it this way. Or sometimes from clients, we just get their storyboard and you may have ideas of, oh, this could have been Mm
1: -hmm. instead of
0: information, it could have been a practical application in this way.
2: Well, yeah, I think um, like personally, it's good to get them to do things in the real world. So when I'm storyboarding, I try and think is whatever I'm teaching them or showing them now, can they go out into the real world and practice that and you can get them. Like I know we did that induction, Kim, where we got people to do quests. Mm. Go and like catch up with your supervisor for a coffee and ask these questions or meet up with a team member and get them to show you around. And I think that's really... Valuable, getting people to do stuff in the real world. Yeah, That's one of the things. Um, another thing I think is like replicating the real world in the way that you storyboard. So finding out enough about your end user that you know what their context is like and then using that to create activities that reflect what it would be like in the real world and get them to practice. Mm. Like what Victoria and I were saying, like we learn a lot more when we get to practice on our own tasks with whatever we've learned so we get to relate it to what we do in our work so i think that's another part of it as well getting them to like practice in simulations that reflect the real world
0: yeah and how would you find out what the real world looks like because we train like you never know what you're going to train on you know it could be a soft skill it could be a technical skill it could be compliance it could be like so many things come up so what ways how do you as a Learning designer, go and find out what replicating the real world, what are you replicating in the first place?
2: Mm, Yeah, nice. Uh, I think it's human centered design. So, human centered design enables us to do that. So, we run workshops with our clients and the end users to conduct some human centered design activities. So, one of them is empathy mapping. So, we get their input on what actions. So, for people who don't know, empathy mapping is what you would see someone doing, what they would be saying, what they would be hearing and what they would be feeling. If mm. they met. And we do that with our clients and the end users. So we get that context and we find out exactly what it's like in their world. So that's one of the activities we do, user personas. So that helps us understand the people that we're designing for, what challenges they have, what their environment's like, what like access they have to tools. Do they use email? Do they use their mobile? So that's another way. Um, User interviews are really good. So interviewing the people that you're designing for and just asking them, like, what does your environment look like and how does it relate to the goal that we're trying to solve? And that Mm. gets really good data because you're speaking to the actual people. You're not making assumptions. So for me, that is probably the best three, I think. Mm. But as long as you take, I think it's just important to, at least try to connect with your end users and your clients and run some sort of human-centered design activity to get an understanding of them and their world
0: yeah Hmm. any tips on because a lot of content is around its information it always kind of starts as information some like when we start with subject matter experts and any tips to get them to move away from uh, information to practical application?
1: Um,
2: I think when I'm storyboarding, I it is like it's not always easy to do. Like you have to get yourself into the right mindset because it is... Easy to just write out what they need to know, like the information. So I do. I am still learning to do this, but I think for me, I always just think, what actions will they have to take in the real world? So I've got all of this information and all of this content, and that's great. But what would they actually need to do in the real world to meet the goal? And then Mm. of those actions, I it helps me figure out like what would I need to design to help them take out those actions, whether it's getting them to do it in the real world or something or literally just like changing the language so it's not like you need to know this but it's like this is what you will do so just being really clear on like these are the actions that you need to take because that takes off like cognitive overload for the learner as well I think because they're not thinking okay I have this information but what am I supposed to actually do with it if Mm. you do like the real simple facts of like this is what you need to do it's much easier for them to like digest the learning So probably my tip is just think like actions. Like if you just have action in the top of your mind, what action do they need to take? And then using that to like designing around that. Yeah. I think it's
0: kind of what you're saying. I'm trying to think of how we can hold ourselves accountable more to be more practical, like design solutions that are that 70%. Mm. And I think one of them is like, if you were filming the person doing it, as opposed to the text that you have in your storyboard, what would you watch back and then design that or picking up your storyboard and whatever you've just written as the content and go do it like physically try and act it out. And if Mm -hmm. you can't act it out, you won't change behavior. If you don't sense a shift in yourself, you won't shift someone else's behavior. Yeah. Um, And even something like, I'm just trying to think of practical accountability tips that people could do. So maybe the third one is before you ever sit down and write, go to a different environment, like sit outside on a bench or just go for a walk or whatever it is, like get away from your computer and draw what it would look like. So use stick men and be like, they would walk with an arrow here, they would pick up I don't know piece of paper so get away from text to visual representation of the solution that you're trying to design for might shift how we think about the solution we end up creating
2: yeah that's really cool it reminds me oh yeah go on when we like when I first started instructional design you showed me that like how to make toast oh yeah the step it's like a simple example but it's just like shows you step by step like you have to open up the bag of bread you have to take the bread out and just getting really specific around like each little step the person would need to take to be successful so yeah that is really useful
0: did I make you make the toast as well like you had to apply your
2: I think so I might have been following how to make toast good times
0: yeah so just maybe try and do your own learning to see do you do something different does something shift for you as your own accountability to is my learning practical enough or is it just another piece of information that probably already exists somewhere in the real in the on an intranet or google
2: yeah that's That's cool like I've been storyboarding yesterday and today and something I've noticed that I've been trying to do is yeah, like reading everything, every action that I get them to do and then making sure I would actually know what to do myself. And Mm. I've noticed it might, like the information might say, fill out this template or fill out this report. And in the past, I probably would have just like written that and left it. But now I'm like, where is that report? Like, what does it look like? How do they get it? So it's just like us, like questioning every single part of the content. And if you wouldn't know how to do it, like you said before, you need to find out. Otherwise, the learner won't do anything with it. Mm. So, yeah, it's like getting very specific, I think, with everything. And if you couldn't do it, they definitely can't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the value. I love that, of being an instructional designer.
2: Yeah, it's like we're in the best position because we don't know. Like if we knew, we'd probably miss things. If we knew that, like the process because we'd be like, oh, they'll know that or that's obvious when really people don't know that unless you explain it properly. So, yeah, it's
1: cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Any... Do you have anything to add, Vic, on how to be more practical or action focused or application replicate the real world in solutions?
1: No, I think we have covered it. <laughs> Good tips. All right. Uh, Hannah, you got a question for? I do. Yes. So
2: um, I just want to get really clear on creating success statements. <laughs> this is for Vic, I'm guessing. <laughs> so i was just wanting to know if you could give me because i'm like a it helps for me to have some sort of process or steps to follow like what process do you take when you're creating a success statement
0: Hmm. i don't know if this is going to be in order it's just things coming up but i think it's like one thing you just said which your last tip was around would i know what to do if Mm -hmm. that was presented to me that's a good accountability check for yourself so if a success statement is what we need to achieve through our solution would i know what to do at all points in the project all decisions all actions in response to whatever that success statement is agreed on. So I need to know who I'm designing for, Mm
1: -hmm. who's
0: my audience, very clearly stated, who it is, who it's not. Um, You might go to that level of detail. And it's an understanding of where you're currently at and where you want to be. So the future desired state. So I think like through our discovery workshop, we find out all of this information. We hold that creative conversation, ask those questions. That's actually it really, <laughs> I'm just thinking now. The creative conversation is another YouTube video. You ask those five or six questions. It gives you information, uh, context that you can then shape into a statement that says this will prove that we are successful if we deliver this within the organization or through our solution. So when you ask those creative conversation questions, you get enough you get who's our audience, that kind of stuff from it, the business goals and then you're just summarizing it kind of reveals itself that this is what we're here to achieve.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah I'm just- and
0: yeah, go on. Um, there you go. I think sometimes what we try to do, I've seen, because we seem to do a lot of coaching around learning objectives and that, is that people, you're not there yet. You're not, you can't write learning objectives until you know what the overarching project goal is. What are mm-hmm. we trying to achieve? So just being able to know that they are two separate things And the learning objectives are dependent on the success statement and the success statement helps you write your learning objectives. But being clear on what part of my process am I in right now? I'm at the very beginning. I need to know what success looks like. I don't need to know the specifics of what a learner is going to go and do differently because that's my learning objective. So I can just hold on to that. So you've got to be able to question yourself what is my intent right now and then that helps you separate and just focus on I'm writing a success statement right now I'm not writing learning objectives
2: yeah okay all right cool yeah because I think because I'm very like a detailed person like I love storyboarding because it gets right into like the detail of what do they actually need to do and like I love that sort of thing but for me like the higher level strategic thinking of the overall picture it's a bit harder for me so i tend my i tend to write success statements that are like too detailed so, so I so yeah, yeah. It's then the objectives are in the success statement and then it's huge where i need to like pull back and just have a very high level view of what the goal is i think
0: hmm. and if you are that like that detail you need to run the creative conversation. You need Mm -hmm. to answer those questions because that will give you the details that will help you to get to that succinct succinct success statement. Um, And like the details of the process are like quite specific. It's this, it's a success statement and you answer these five questions to get your success statement. Then you're ready to move on to learning objectives this is the intent of learning objectives and this is we we have our own process on how to write them so then you just focus on that so it's like a funnel that we're working down towards they're all like feeding into each other yeah it's more like that shape actually (laughs) creative conversation at the top then it goes down to like success statement then to learning objectives then to
2: storyboards All right. Awesome. No, that's good. Thank you. That answers my question.
0: Well, now you can go practically apply that to one of our client projects and we'll see what happens.
2: We've got lots of client projects coming up, so I'll have lots of opportunity.
1: Yeah. All right. Victoria, your question. (laughs) (laughs) My my question.
0: <laughs> what would you like to do differently or have the opportunity to experiment with post this chat
1: um, i don't know yet <laughs> um. I don't know if I have anything at the moment. think about the projects that are
0: coming up. So we've got storyboards, we got coming your way that you're gonna develop. We're gonna have ones that are written by Hannah and myself. We're gonna have ones that are written by the client. We've got level two projects. We've got level three projects. Recently, we have been uh, doing brainstorming activities, creating templates. Um estimating projects, improving our project management plan. What of from that would you like to do better that you might get tips from us or that you would like another perspective
1: on? Um, well, I feel like I still struggle with estimating times projects. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of try and based off like previous ones that might have been similar. Mm. But somehow they always seem like a little bit different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like ones where it might be like the same amount of, for like development, say, like it might be the same amount of slides or something like that. But I don't know, I just feel like some projects are like easier or quicker to do than others, even if it might be like the same, like it might be like a screen of text or something. Mm but I just feel like it's harder for something. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know why, because it, yeah, I would think that they would be very similar, but when it comes to actually doing it, like, yeah, it just takes longer sometimes. Okay.
0: So one of the, um, think of where that's happened for you, just have that, that project or that task in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, where one was easy, one was hard. Compare them. What specifically was different? You envisioned them at the beginning the same. When you got to the end, it turned out they were different. What specifically about them was different?
1: I don't know if it is just like the style guides. And like the, um, like what we get from the client, what they're wanting design-wise, I guess, might have been different. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. Mm. I'm trying to think of specifics, but... Mm. I don't really remember fully what the differences were.
2: I can remember with one client, big, there were like the way they provided the um, changes was different. Like, remember how you were scrolling through the document, and it wasn't like clear content. It was sort of—is that an example? Or
1: um, I don't even remember that one to be honest. <laughs> Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) just look at you've designed two templates recently Mm
1: -hmm.
0: using two brand style guides Uh, so I'm just going to pull out the facts I think um and not context because the I think the learning on how you can get better at estimating is reflecting on what was different And then what held me up or took me longer than anticipated. And then how can I improve my process or how can we as a team improve our processes so that that those things that were hard are as easy as they were on the one that I considered easy. Okay, so it's like, take the time to reflect. What were the differences? What were the, and specifically, what were the easy and hard things And then how for future projects do I make the hard things like the easy ones? So if I think about you developed two templates recently for two separate clients. One had a very specific style guide, brand style guide. One just gave you colors and the font. Um, One gave you, you have creative freedom. The other one gave you very specific screens. This is what it needs to look like. This is where the buttons are going to be. So it's more UI. Um, what else was there? One gave you inspiration. These are the things we like. These are websites we like, apps we like. One didn't. You have creative freedom. Here's our style guide. There's examples you can go on our website. In the style guide, it has like brochures and I don't know, paraffin, what's that called? Stuff, resources that they've designed um, as inspiration. So if there's some of the things just as a beginning of what was different, which pick one of them that was like, it was easy when I had this and it was hard when I didn't have this and let's work this through.
1: Um, well, it's- like it's weird because for me the one where we just had the client style guide was easier and quicker than the one that gave us the examples and cuz that like I went overtime on the one where they'd given us examples and just colors and we had like more freedom mm-hmm. so
0: yeah did you estimate and you did that project second did you estimate that project based on the one where you had more freedom and it was
1: easier? Um, No, so the one where we just had the style guide that I found easier, I did first. Yeah. And yeah, the one where we had like the colors and the freedom was second and took longer. Was it the dark one that took
0: longer? I don't want to name the clients, but I'm trying to think like, I'm to make sure we're talking about the same project. Okay. <laughs> so what was, okay. So then what's interesting is that with the, we'll call it the white and then uh, dark light and dark, right? Light project, you had a style guide and you had creative freedom Um, the dark one, you had very specifics of what you needed, what they wanted each screen to look like. So therefore, were they're very different tasks actually on reflection now and when we go into the task we thought template same it's going to be similar but actually they're very different because the light one we set our parameters we decided what screens we were going to design and present back to the client for approval but in the dark one they said you need to give us these screens these are the screens we're designing so therefore we had more flexibility with time and quality on what we presented with the light one. We had a certain amount of hours that you'd estimated and you achieved what you could within that time until you were like, I'm done, it's ready for the client. With the other one, you had a very specific task that you had to achieve. So on reflection, they're very different. So that Now let's move to step three, which is what can we do to improve for next time when you're estimating hours? So we had a free-flowing whatever, (laughs) present a template back, and then you had a present this exact template back, but in our style. So what would you do next time to make your life easier with either of them? what processes would you put in place? What things would you ask of the client? What things may you ask of the team?
1: Well, I guess it is finding out like if we have to do specific, if they've got like a specific template they want us to follow or if we can just make whichever screens we want to. But in my head, I still like would think it would be quicker to do one where we're like copying a template from the client because we don't have to think about like where to put things or Like you're not experimenting as much. I would always think that would be quicker than just going off and making a random screen design on your own.
0: Mm. What evidence do you have to make? Well, just because it does take
1: like, I feel like it does take me longer to come up with ideas for, like just like if yeah, it's just like a blank canvas and it's like make a screen. Mm. I just think that takes more time to come up with ideas and like here's a screen put a button there put a picture there put text there
0: mm. I yeah I don't know the answer and I think that's where you just need to reflect but there's probably lots that play out because like even longer what is longer I, like if I just think about my own process for creating a template a UI template I will spend, if I have five hours to do it, I'll spend bloody four hours just trying to pick the design, going on Mm. Shutterstock, going on Google, trying to get inspiration and go, that's my title screen. That's my color scheme. I spend so much time trying to do that. And then I have an hour and I'll be able to pull the template together that quickly.
1: Mm. But I
0: spent four hours trying to figure out what I'm going to do. So (laughs) like, I don't know what your process is like, but I think it can seem like it takes forever, but on reflection, now I'm like, actually, it's not that long. I just spend a lot of time trying to come up with what I'm actually going to design. And when I'm like, that's it, then it just all clicks and I'm able to execute. So Mm -hmm. I don't need that much time. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe that's something to consider, you know, which is very different. They're very different skill sets because then if I think about doing something where someone has given me the rigidity and this is what every screen needs to to do. Are the parameters the same? I don't know because my idea, I might go, here's five screens and I can bang them out in an hour. Whereas that one where where it's rigid, it might look like five screens, but I still have to create the button from scratch and Mm -hmm. the layout of each screen. And maybe that's five times my one, if that makes sense. So they're very different tasks. Yeah, And I think there's certain things that we can do to improve, which is setting the expectation and the parameters and the brief more clearly. What we need from you if you want this result from us is X, Y, Z, which might look like specific screens or you've got to give us, trust us, we're the creatives um and we're going to present back so you think about which one was easier and which one do you work better to and do that in future set yourself up for success by communicating that as this is the way we were from the beginning mm-hmm. um and then maybe it's about taking more well we don't know because I think like also if I just from memory with the dark one on reflection, it took longer because there was a bug and that was unexpected. So something that wasn't factored into your time to develop. So it might've only taken you two hours to develop the template, but then the bug was revealed and it took seven hours to figure out that bug, you -hmm. know, and that's, that's an unknown. So in your estimates maybe it's a thinking about unknowns can happen and what am I willing to say if I've estimated it will take me 10 hours to do this what is my unknown uh what do you call it like flexible something like that scale and I'm like five percent is my unknown and if I don't use that time maybe I just up my quality because Mm -hmm. it's all played out really nicely but I know that I have that to play with if an unknown Mm -hmm. happens. Yeah, makes sense.
1: Thanks.
0: I think it's taking the time to really understand the problem you're trying to solve and what do I know and what do I not know? And this is like reflective of, you know, we spend a lot of time in analysis with instructional design, that understanding the problem is a part of your task. So remembering that. Mm -hmm. So if it's like, it's not about going, oh, quickly give him, for example, estimates in 10 minutes. It's like, what am I dealing with? What do I know? What do I not know? What's, what risks, well, it's our planning template, isn't it? <laughs> what risks yes. do I know? What assumptions am I, am I making? How can I make my life easier? So maybe, yeah, it's understanding the problem more and reflecting Mm -hmm. after each project to go, was that the same task, actually? Just because it was called template, maybe it wasn't the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the lesson is just, yeah, reflect and improve. Prioritize the time to reflect. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Anything
0: else? Hannah, do you have any tips to add on that?
2: um I think just for me it's similar to what we're talking about with storyboarding like stepping into the shoes of yourself when you're doing the task because that's something that I did the other day like I reflected on another project and went oh yeah like if there's that many screens and this has the same amount of screens it's going to be the same time but it wasn't until like I thought about what am I actually going to do with this project what actions do I need to take to get it to where it needs to be and it ended up like changing the estimate because of that so just like yeah, being really clear on what you're gonna act, what you're going to do. Like if there was a fly in the wall, what would it look like when you were doing it? And what similar to what you said with the risks and consequences, what could go wrong and mm. past. So it's almost like a mix of past projects and looking at your future tasks and what it would look like, I think.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Yep. And sometimes you definitely F up and don't do things right and all you got to do is just improve for next time Mm. as long as you're just not accepting that I'm not going to change for next time like we make mistakes I make mistakes and I go I do not personally I do not want that to happen again because it was painful or it causes me too much discomfort what do I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen to me again and just put it Mm. into action
1: yeah
0: cool all right Well, viewers at home, thank you for watching another episode of Studio Insights. If you would like to support our team to produce more content like this, we recommend you do that by checking out the Creator Hub because it will add value to your life. There is so much resources and templates on there that will help add value to your life because they're the exact things that we use. So go check it out. That's how you can share your love for us to help support us to create more and more of the content that we put out on the internet. Thank you, as always, for choosing to learn with us. We appreciate it
1: and have a
0: meaningful and productive day. What's up, awesome human? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us, basically it's the stuff that we use internally at Belvista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers and what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips and the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, But we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff. Share it with other people, because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.